Hey, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you so, 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 so much for joining me today. My guest is author of The Dark Side of Disney, Leonard Kinsey. Um, I found Leonard through a wormhole that begat because of previous guest, John Trespassion Mooney, who was an urban explorer. If you didn't see his episode, definitely go check it out. He talks about all the cool places he's visited. And um, that really messed up my YouTube algorithm. So that's all that YouTube's been serving me since then is um, videos that are related to what John does, which I, you know, I'm very grateful for that. So thank you very much, Mooney. Appreciate it. And during those, uh, that YouTube wormhole, I felt I came upon Leonard. And I was super fascinated with the story you had to tell. This book is maybe about a decade old. It talks about how to have adult fun in Disney. Um, some interesting capers that went on around there. Some stuff that maybe shouldn't happen. That was cool that it was documented. And and through that is sort of Leonard's story about what Disney meant to him, which um, is a really excellent part of the book. And I couldn't recommend this book enough. Definitely check it out. It's available out there. Leonard also was publishing other books at this point. We talk about that in the episode. He's a really cool guy. I was so happy to get a chance to talk to him. And thank you so much for Leonard for coming on. Um, so check out his stuff and definitely check out this book. All right, peace. Bye. Hey, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox podcast. I'm your host, Soma79. My guest today is the author of The Dark Side of Disney, Haps the Disney Saboteurs, Our Kingdom of Dust. Leonard Kinsey. That sounded like one book, but it was really three. I'm, <laughs> I'm off to a great start. How are you doing today, Leonard? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Awesome, man. Thank you for being here. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we we started recording, and um, I found your book through an episode that aired a few weeks ago with my friend John Mooney, Trespassion. I fell down sort of a wormhole on mm. Disney because we, we talked a little about an episode about the abandoned Wizard of Oz theme park. And um, which is uh, somewhere in like North Carolina. And that yeah. got me down a whole wormhole about, oh, all this Disney stuff. And, you know, the idea of there being a dark side of something so glitzy and so perfectly manicured is, you know, always worth a dive into. So, yeah, thank you very much for writing this book. Oh, you're very welcome. It's uh, It's been quite a journey. I think it came out in August of 2011, actually. So it's been around for, for a bit. And it's it's fun to see people like you. Uh, newly discovering it even even after all those years it's like it's just really cool to still be talking about it and you know it's still um something that people are just so interested in like you said right because it's not just the you know this isn't just the guidebook of like you know where you can steal a hot dog or something like that there's this, this your story goes into this as well so even though like we'll get into this that i'm guessing some of the tricks of how to get around might be a little outdated now that it's been 10 years but there's a story that goes along with this that keeps everything moving along. It's a really nice blend. I think that's something probably why people have appreciated it so much. Thank you. Yeah, that was very deliberate. Um, as you alluded to, I kind of knew that as soon as it came out, if it if it did any business at all, that Disney would shut down a lot of the tips and tricks. Um, I mean, they're not all illegal, but a lot of them are certainly immoral. <laughs> um, and uh, so they did. They did shut a lot of that down. And so my intention was to balance that out. So it would become, it would become out of date pretty much immediately. Essentially my intent was to balance that out with stuff that would never go out of date, which was the stories of me and my friends and people I know who are cast members there. And to me, that's like the much more interesting part of the book. It is and like those stories, like just 
real life happening at Disney is always it's it's because it's it's a land it's a place that we all go to agree to be part of a fantasy. So when real life gets introduced to it, that's always sort of an interesting thing. And I wanted to touch too a little bit on that film Escape from Tomorrow. I, I mentioned mm. to you and the message that that was a movie that really blows my mind. Um, are you familiar yeah. with that movie at all? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, watched it uh opening night when it was first released, and uh, man, it's not a really good movie, but it certainly is an interesting movie. Right. And just for people who don't know, Escape from Tomorrow was a film that came out, I believe, around 10, 15 years ago. It was it was shot wow. inside of um, Disney parks without their permission. Or a lot of it was. There was some green. It was a decent amount of green screen and stuff. But it was footage that was cobbled together, basically, by people who were shooting a film guerrilla style in the Disney parks mm -hmm. until they reached a point where they kind of got made. And then, you know, they cobbled together what they could after that. Yeah. Um, I would say that it's like the thing you can compare it to almost the most like is like clerks because it's made at that level of production because yep. you know forced necessity but it doesn't have as strong of I mean, the narrative isn't as strong in this film as it in clerks but like the the visuals of seeing these pretty weird things occurring in the park sort of is worth the trip i think to some degree yeah i think it like i said it's uh, well i would say yeah clerks is a valid reference except that clerks is actually a good movie um, right that's yeah <laughs> um i mean i get they like swung... the, like this film not shot in Disney is is a real like what is going yes. on like if it wasn't shot in Disney <laughs> yeah they swung really big and they missed on a lot of it but as as a, an experiment of what you can get away with you know shooting in Disney parks I thought it was pretty interesting um you know just reading the interviews from the guy who made it I got the impression that he was not a big Disney fan. He, he wasn't passionate about Disney. So for him, it was almost more of like he came up with this idea and he was like, oh, I know people are going to watch this because it was, you know, it's transgressive because yeah. it was filmed in Disney parks. There's some interesting ideas in there. There's some really interesting visuals. Um, it just doesn't uh, doesn't come together as a coherent whole. And I don't I think the messaging's confused that whatever statement he was trying to make, I think I don't think he was quite sure about what he was trying to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a big deal. And, um, you know, there have been a few other movies since then that have been filmed in the parks. Even before that, there was a short on YouTube that um, took place in the Haunted Mansion that was really cool. It was actually made by some cast members. Um, and uh, that was it was like a, a horror kind of uh, thing. And uh, that was pretty neat. I forget what it's called off the top of my head. And then... Um, the after recently, relatively recently, there's one called the Further Adventures of Walt Disney's Frozen Head, and um, yeah, these good. they they um, apparently every few years they unfreeze Walt's head, and he doesn't want to be stuck in this box in the basement of Disney World anymore. So he hatches a plan to escape and gets these kids to basically take him out and you know in a box um, his head and walk him around the parks and show him the state of things and and um, that actually it was actually a really good movie so that was I, shot I, that was shot like gorilla style in the park yep yep uh, with pretty good equipment i mean these days an iphone looks really good you know right. so it's a lot yeah. easier now to do that than it was even back when uh, escape from tomorrow came out um so yeah it's a it, it was it's a good movie I, I would recommend that one and you also too not that i'm recommending anybody try to shoot a film in, in disney you are in a place where cameras are welcome pretty Absolutely. much everywhere so that that kind of helps you a little bit though you know yeah. also but they have they have more cameras than you do 
Yeah. Not only that, but, um, you know, this whole Disney bounding thing where people kind of dress up in um, clothes that kind of look like characters. Um, they're not full on costumes, but they come close at times. Dapper Day, for example, where people dress up all fancy like those. You could get away with wearing a costume and still look like you were fitting in to, you point. know, whatever their dress code is. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that more people haven't uh, haven't made movies in the parks, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. they will. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, go for it. So one yeah. thing that's interesting about the cameras, um, you know, I think one of the parts that you know most people do know exists at the Magic Kingdom, though very few of us have been down there, um, is, you know, right, is below the corridors that go below. People understand that. Yeah. yeah, that's the utilidors, a, um, a word that I've seen written, but not said out loud until now. <laughs> but um, it's... Uh, that you know they, it was really interesting how in the book you point out that the entrances and this was back around you know in 2010 or whenever the photos were taken that the, that they're really hidden in plain sight and it and that would suggest that they're also in the, the ease in which people go in and out of them that would suggest they're not very heavily monitored i'm assuming that has probably changed since then because i'm well so so you mentioned to me that you watched the dark side of disney documentary which came out uh, quite a few years after the book and um and they were able to get down there too um and so i don't think there's a lot they can do to lock those down because they're so heavily trafficked by by staff and a lot of staff are coming in and out of them cast members sorry are coming in and out of them um out of costume they're coming in and out of them at the end of their shift uh or uh, the beginning of their shift or to go from one land to another um and so that's that's yeah i don't think there's much they can do about that now what they did what they did do is they implemented a policy where everyone who's down there now has to have a um a cast member badge you have to be wearing your badge outwardly that didn't used to be a requirement and if a manager sees someone well really if anyone sees anyone without a badge they're supposed to stop them um and so other than that, I don't know what else they can do. Well, but, I guess it begs the question yeah. of why don't they just put up a sign that says cast members only? Yeah, because it would ruin the uh, the magic, you know. It's oh yeah, it's a good point. They, they did um they did theme all the doors so that they look like they just blend in. And I think putting a sign on it, A might actually call more attention to them. Wow, and and B, you know, you've got a sign uh, saying cast members only in this kind of beautifully themed place. And it kind of takes you out of it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I was specifically looking for them. And I talk about this in the book, like actually had a map and everything and still couldn't They've find the fine, damn things, yeah. um, which is, is in retrospect, it's just fascinating. It just shows like how well designed everything is there. Uh, it's it's really great. Like I'm I'm impressed. It is that, that is one thing about Disney is you go there and you see a level of service and upkeep and thought that you don't see at any other place. It's like Trader if Trader Joe's could have these people design their parking lots, we'd all be a lot happier. It's just <laughs> everything is so well laid out and thought out and you know they and they obviously they're they're racking in billions of dollars are going in people's pockets but they do invest money into the park they're constantly building and tearing down yeah. and, and doing new things it's it's there are very few places like it you know no that's the disney difference i mean that's what sets them apart from really everyone else even universal is not on that level they're getting there but they're they're, they're not there yet and um you know that's why people keep going back that's why people get obsessed um 
you know, you walk into that place and the outside world fades away and everything's really, um, I mean, they pump in smells, uh, cookies, yeah. um, there's music always playing, uh, and you really leave reality and enter this kind of magical world where none of the outside world's problems matter. People get addicted to that. People love that. And, and, uh, people pay a lot of money for that. Right. They're doing what good entertainment really has to do, which is sell you on your next next experience while you're having your current experience. Yeah. So yeah, it, they get you hooked. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, and they're it's like on your way out the door. They already want you planning your next trip. And a lot of people are like, yeah, because you really <clears throat> just staying in a different resort. And I, this is gonna, I want this to turn into like, you know, us doing our ad for Disney because they sell themselves. <laughs> but like just staying in a different resort can have an entirely different experience. You know, I say the Animal Kingdom one once, but when's the last I time you were at a park? Is it, one thing that was interesting that I could relate to is you, you, the stuff I saw prior to us having this conversation. You seem to have these moments in your life where you want to talk about Disney, then kind of moments where you want to step away from it a little bit. Yeah. Um, where are you at now? And when was the last time you were at a park? I can relate to that with different areas in my life. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's you, these things you love. And then all of a sudden you're just like, I need this space, you know? Yeah, it was, um, I mean, when the book first came out, it was, it was overwhelming. It, there was, it was about three years of just nonstop, like Disney 24 seven, it seemed like. So I did get burned out after that. And it, it wasn't only that, um, you know, when I started to realize is that the, it was changing from the place that I really loved. They were doing things that I didn't like that were changing it f not for the better. And what I, what would happen is when I would go there, um, I would just get upset. I would get angry. You know, um, I would get depressed. Like this ride is gone now. They tore that down or they took away this special thing that I, that I always loved. And, um, and it really, it was, there was a lot of negativity and I, I kind of was like, why the hell am I paying all this money just to like go somewhere and be upset? So I said my goodbyes to the Florida parks. Um, I did a, I did a video specifically about saying goodbye to Epcot. And, um, and really that was that for the Florida parks. Um, and I, I haven't been back since now I've been to Disneyland multiple times, which does still have that magic. Um, and I've been to Disneyland Paris, which I didn't particularly enjoy. Um, and there's a theme park in uh, the Netherlands called Efteling. It's very, very Disney esque, but but darker. Like it's the Ooh. real version of the uh, of the old fairy tales where you know people actually get killed and stuff and or lose a limb or whatever. And um, that place is kind of that does it for me now. Like I love that place. So when I'm ever, whenever I'm in the Netherlands, I always go to Efteling, and um, it's just got that that vibe. Um, that, that, I love that country. The whole country is just, is amazing. Yeah, it's just slightly off center. Like everything right. in that country is just a little bit weird. You and, never know what's uh, around the next corner. Yeah, and, and in the best way. Like, yeah. and I love that. So, not to offend anyone from the Netherlands, that is actually the main reason why I love the country so much. Um, so, yeah, I. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't really. Um, I don't know, man. The Disney stuff just. Um, I think I got really burned out and really disappointed. And and unfortunately, not that I don't keep up on it, because I do, it continued to go downhill like after I was already pissed off and, and more things closed and they got rid of, of more things that were special. And it's only now, like within the past, I would say three to four months since Bob Iger came back, they fired the other CEO, came back and it actually seems to be listening to like, because it started just not to just be me who is like, 
this is this sucks now like guests normal people who were like lifelong fans and who weren't in it for the dark side became louder and louder about you know the the decline of the disney experience and i think they finally started listening um i mean when so, covid ha- yeah oh, go ahead I was, so what so what really are some of those chief complaints you mentioned that you know rides turning over though obviously new rides are something that do get people excited too so there's, sure. a, there's a flip side to that but what what are some of the main complaints um, so I'll, I'll push back a little bit on what you just said because you, you know the whole. I, selling... I'm saying that because the, the new Tron ride might get me down there, so I might just be talking sure. about myself. But I haven't been in 10, 15 years, so sure. So the Tron ride's a perfect example of doing it right because they didn't like the, they didn't destroy uh, Space Mountain and put put Tron in its place. They just put Tron next to it because they had the room to do so. And I mean, Walt's whole sales pitch when they opened the resort was. We bought all this property. We have the blessing of size. We can do whatever we want. I mean, originally they were going to build a city there. They have all the space in the world in these parks. And it always frustrates me when they want to build something new, they take something else out. They just like uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Rides, Snow White's Adventure, Horizons, um, World of Motion, uh, even the... um, the the maelstrom the the norway ride you know they go frozen in there now yeah they could have just built another they could have built a frozen ride they they have the room yeah yeah so that sort of thing really frustrates me um and usually not always but usually they're taking a ride away that has enormous capacity uh to fit in a lot of people in a short amount of time and they're replacing it with something that like has half the capacity which ends up making lines around the resort that much longer because you don't have these, they call them people eaters. You don't have these people eater rides that, that are sucking up tons and tons of people every hour. So that's the frustrating. I mean, that was one of them too. That, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so that's frustrating. Um, you know, the whole, one of the things that, and it's, so I'm going to Anaheim in a few weeks and I don't even think I'm going to go to Disneyland. And the main reason is because they've made it so difficult to get on these rides, you got to download this app. You got to pay yeah. for this, you know, lightning lane. You got to log on at exactly whatever time when that opens up and, you know, make your reservation really quick. And there's no spontaneity anymore. You know, if I'm going to pay $200 to go to Disneyland or whatever it is, 180 you bet your ass I'm I'm going to want to be guaranteed that I'm going to see Rise of the Resistance, which is the right. new big Star Wars ride. You're paying for the magic. The, the magic shouldn't have to be giving your password to six different people and downloading an app. Or planned three months in advance down right. to the minute. You know, I, when I go on vacation, A, I don't particularly want to be looking at my phone all day. I would rather not look at my phone at all. Right. Um, I don't want to be necessarily tied down to a set schedule. Um, you know, the parks used to be so great. You'd show up. And you'd kind of wander around. And if you want to go on a ride, you go on the ride. If the wait was too long, you'd be like, ah, I'll get it later in the day. That was nice. That was relaxing. That was a pleasant experience. And it's everything's so rigid now. And on top of that, with this light lane and all that, you really end up feeling like you're being nickel and dimed. You know, yeah. you go in, the first thing you do when you go into the parks, holy shit, parking's $30. So there's another $30 just before you even get into the place that you're blowing on this. Then you, of course, pay an extraordinary amount for your ticket. And then you get in. If you want to ride a ride, if you really want to be sure you're getting on it, you're blowing another $20 per person. So a family of four is blowing 80 bucks. That kind of stuff really bothers me. Yeah. It, it Maybe it doesn't bother other people. That is not what I want in a Disney trip. 
No, it's, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it bothers me too. It, it's absurd. And especially to your point about how they, they, they don't have to be tearing down all these new exhibits. Like if you had a few more of these rides open, and I know maybe there's, there's slow seasons, you could have more open and that would help, you know, crush up absolutely. some of the lines. And that it's absolutely correct. You know, and I'm yeah. sure a lot of these are decisions based on finances and, you know, I'm not a, they have to appease a board and stockholders and blah, blah, blah. But like, it's probably in the end, you know, it's, Disney has has a grip on the American public that very few companies have. It has a place in the heart of the American public that very few companies have. It's Absolutely. largely untarnished, you know, though I'm sure depending on what side of the political debate you're on now, you may argue differently. But um I think it's um it's uh it's an it's Americana and it's Yep. It's uh, they've built up a lot of goodwill over the past hundred years and they've got a lot of great IP that people just love, intellectual property. You know, these princesses, these Mickey Mouse, like this is part of of you know, people's childhood, people's lives. They've seen it their whole life and and um it's important to people. Um and, and it's interesting to me to see like how far that will take you like how far can you rely on that how far can you rely on the goodwill you built up right. um and then you start taking things away you start doing you know and yeah, cars too was a good test of that yeah there you go that's a, that's a great example and you know at some point people are gonna be like no no that's not enough anymore like it's funny i've been finding that with marvel which obviously now okay. is disney that i had seen every marvel movie opening weekend whatever earliest possible showing and yeah. i saw ant-man i loved it as the last one i loved it. i enjoyed the shit out of it i had, yeah, it few, I had some edibles and it was about as fun as fun could have you could probably pick it apart i still haven't seen guardians 3 and it's like i i think i might have hit that point where i don't know what the reason is but i'm like okay maybe i've had almost enough yeah <laughs> like, yeah. Because you can't you can't keep going. It's just at a certain point, you know, if I have to change or they have to change or, you know. Yeah, because it's a lot of the same. It ends up being a lot of the same. And um, right. and part of yeah. it was I knew that, you know, the first two Guardians movies made me cry. They're, they're yeah. emotional films. And I'm like, well, this movie is going to be the saddest of all of them. And it's like, and maybe I just got in my head in a little bit. I'm like, do I really want to go to this movie and have a raccoon make me cry? Um, you know, it's, I've, you know, maybe I'm trying, trying to live happier these days, but. Um. I, I totally get it. I didn't, I specifically didn't see it because I didn't want to see animals getting abused. And, you know, I'll watch I, I, it. Yeah, I had a similar thought too. Yeah. I'll watch it on digital because on digital at home, I could just skip past that part. In the theater, there's no skipping past it. Like, I guess I could. You know, do one of right, these. Right, right. Um, that part yeah. in the first Ant-Man when they blow the sheep up, I was always like, ooh, interesting choice. <laughs> like, is that, that always made me feel a little squeamish. It yeah. is very obviously fake, but right. like, it's it's real enough. You're like, you didn't have to write that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, you know, that's just James Gunn's, or that's not James Gunn, but that's like a weird sense of humor sort of thing, you know? Yeah. It's not necessarily like meant to like make you cry i guess uh or whatever but, it's one um, of those things that if it happened on the pages of a comic book while it would be grotesque it wouldn't be as shocking as to see it played out in a comic book yeah, movie i yeah. think yeah yeah so like, yep. i'm sure dr doom has done worse to uh you know higher life forms sure <laughs> so. um are you still located in florida no 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 no. i so i was born and raised in florida I was there for uh, the first 18 years of my life and then got the hell out of there um, so I'm actually in Baltimore, uh, Maryland. I've been oh. here for, for years. Uh, I, I go back to Florida often because I have a lot of really good friends, uh, who live down there, who I met, uh, 
growing up and also through the book and yeah so uh so i go down there a fair amount still that reminds me so i was watching some of my other you know youtube traveling i was watching a a video about the abandoned garfield nightmare ride and i saw that some of the footage was credited to you um and i'm gonna i just the episode of my podcast out this week is about an artist who who works on garfield who does garfield art and garfield to me was the very first like that was where i fell in love with drawing and art and cartooning as a kid that was that was it for me and it's what i draw over and over so i I really popped when i saw that so i'm guessing you you have been there yeah that was uh yeah i heard things about it and i really wanted to document that ride it's at kennywood and in uh in pittsburgh and uh Man, I was not disappointed. That was a one damn weird ass ride, yes. uh, and and you you don't even get the full experience because they gave you these glasses that like oh, reacted yeah. with the with like the lights and made everything kind of shifty, weird. It was like being on a drug trip, and um, and so I went on it a few times just to like kind of revel in how bizarre it was. Uh, it just maybe one of the weirdest things I've ever ridden. But now I think they've um put it back to the old mill theme so as far as i know all the garfield stuff is totally gone now so i'm glad i got to go and just capture that kind of moment of bizarreness according to the video i watched not not only is it gone it was destroyed on video to prove to the garfield (laughs) folks that it no longer all right wouldn't get out there at all which is it sucks because you know there was some kind of i i like the ice cream cone with the um the cyclops ice cream cone i was like oh that might be a cool tattoo like it got me thinking (laughs) um and there was some really cool i i like day glow there's some really cool day glow garfield stuff in there that um, was would have been really neat and that was that part was hard to capture on on video um was it Defunct Land? I think Defunct Land did that. That's video. probably what it was. Yeah, yep, I think I said, yep. I said Yesterworld, but it was, yeah, it was yeah, he did a he did a pretty funny video on that. Uh, such a such a weird, a weird ride. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing. Like, I do love local theme parks like Kennywood um, because a lot of times you go into something and and it's not going to be, you know, a corporate uh, whatever. It's going to be something really strange and weird right. that was like the product of this one weird dude who decided to do this weird thing. And um, so I do, I do still like going to a lot of the local local theme parks around the around the U.S. around the world because it is a bizarre it's a bizarre impulse to want to do that. I'm I'm guessing you're yeah. probably familiar with Class Action Park. Yep. Um, and there, I'm sure there has to be a little bit of that guy in almost everybody who starts one of those parks. Yeah, you know, absolutely. some somebody who who's always towing the line between the thrill ride and the the, the legality and safety of it. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, which is is fascinating. You know, I, I love that sort of stuff. That's uh that's definitely a dark side type of thing. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um so what so I want to get back to the documentary a little bit because I I we mentioned before that it was um it was it was very interesting and it was a little the, the response seemed to have been a little mixed. Um, I will admit I'm a bit of an easy audience for something once I'm already excited in it about it. So, um, you know, I'm just excited to, you know, I was excited for this conversation. I love the books. It was like, it was really, I was going to like it in general. Um, The part that really, and it was, it wasn't, I saw some of the criticism was that I think people thought it would be a little bit more like instructional, a little bit more like, Hey, here are these tips you could use. And it, it took a little bit more of a storyline approach to um, the narratives of different people who approach D- Disney in different ways. 
The one that really captivated me the most is I wasn't expecting to see this um, young man who I don't know exactly how old he was. It seemed like he couldn't have been much out of high school who was on LSD and Molly crying during Christopher Cross. I was just like, I didn't know what to feel in that moment. It's like I was like I was feeling all these things and I'm like, I haven't I it gave me a feeling that wasn't familiar to me. And I still, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 about what it's like hanging out with Logan. <laughs> that's how that's how it feels in real life too. Yeah. He's, he, uh, he struck me as somebody that if I took little parts of a lot of people I know, I could build myself a Logan. I think so. Okay. I really know what it's like to be around. Like I could, his energy is an energy I'm, I'm sort of familiar with. But it was, it's just you know. Yeah, that you know that was one of my favorite parts of of that um, is uh, is Logan being involved and uh, he'd been a fan of the book since day one and I'd hung out with him numerous times. Uh, he's just a really sweet guy, um, you know, one, definitely one of those people who uses Disney as a, a form of escapism. Um, you know, in addition to real drugs, he uses it as a drug. Uh, but uh, but yeah, cool, cool, cool guy. I like him a lot. Um, is he is he someone you still talk to to this day? Or? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, so he's, he's doing okay. He's, he's he's doing all right yeah that's good um yeah he but, seemed uh, like a very earnest human being which is is something that's you know kind of hard to fake it seemed like somebody who you kind of felt the positive energy coming off of them you know absolutely yeah 100 percent. and um yeah the documentary was interesting so as you alluded to it did kind of get mixed reception so philip swift the director had done a movie called the bubble which was about Celebration Florida, which is the town that was built by Disney, was owned by Disney. And uh, kind of a dark side of that, like there was, you know, murders that happened there, swinger parties. Like, um, so I was, I loved it. Like it was right up my alley, obviously. Um, So when he came to me about the idea of doing a documentary based on the book, I was like, holy shit, like this guy's a, a, he's a legit good director. Um, You know, he's very talented behind the camera he knows how to put a story together he's passionate about the subject and i was like someone could easily have made a documentary based around the book and not even involve me not ask my permission it's not like i can trademark the dark side of disney it's got the name disney in it like so so he came to me very respectfully with this plan and the plan was essentially like you said to kind of use the book as a series of challenges and like go through it and see if we can do like this thing that was in the book and this thing that was in the book and uh and i was like okay that sounds awesome i would totally watch that i don't know how involved i want to be about that because people are i don't want people getting pissed off at me all over again um so if you guys do that it's all on you but i'll be like the wise advisor that pops in and out of the movie you know uh kind of advising you guys on how to do this or how to do that um so what it turned, you know, good, good, good. Philip's an amazing guy. His wife got um, pregnant during the filming of that. And by the end of baby, it, baby he, marmalade. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of it, uh, in the editing process, he was, they'd had the kid and he was obsessed as any first time dad should be with right. their, their child. And a lot of that, bled into the movie when i don't think the movie should and and i'm not the only one who thinks this don't think the movie should have had really there shouldn't have been a baby in in it and that's the end credits is like yeah there was a lot of um yeah there's a lot there Yeah. yeah yeah so i think his personal life kind of really took over some of the narrative of that movie in ways that people were 
that was maybe a little too sentimental, a little too sweet for the audience. It's a little bit like when every ever stand ever stand up comedian has his first child or their first child, the first special back. You're like, all right, now we're gonna hear about the kids. Right. You're like, all right, this one might not be for me. Yeah, it's and it's it, for me, it's kind of cringy, or it's like you know the, the '80s hair metal guy who um you know is this partier, and then he then he has his first kid, and he writes a ballad about the kid, and you're just yeah. like, oh, like, oh man, dude, really, yeah. Um, like, that's what it felt like to a lot of people I feel. And, um, so he, and, and the other thing was he kind of quickly abandoned the idea of using the book as a set of challenges. Not that they didn't do some of them. They did go down to the utilidors. Um, they did go up to the, um, image works, uh, the abandoned area in imagination. Um, but what was, you know, interesting, if you go on YouTube and you look at my videos of the utilidors that I filmed years ago with a little. I think it was a high eight camcorder, analog camcorder. They went down there and filmed with an iPhone. The footage doesn't look any better than it did back in 95 or whenever I filmed that 97. Um, and so I think a lot of people were expecting to get like steady cam footage down the Utilidors right. and, and uh, it's still not being very guerrilla style looking, which, which I get because you're not, can't be filming down there. If someone sees you filming there, you're, you're caught immediately. So, yeah. so I liked the idea of what he did, which was kind of highlighting adult Disney fans, what it means to be an adult Disney fan and and how different people come at Disney and what they get from Disney. Um, the part about Hoot and Chief, I thought was very touching. Uh, yes. The horizon, the people who explored horizons jumped out of the ride vehicles. And um, that was really sweet. Um, and uh, I was happy for the most part. I wasn't thrilled with the kids stuff, but I was happy with the movie. Um, but the reaction from certain people doesn't doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, that you have anything as popular as Disney. It's going to be impossible to please everybody. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's there's only it's this. You have to kind of like set your expectations, I think, at an appropriate level, too, for what somebody can really do to kind of, you know, it's it's almost like when the Blair Witch Project came out and there were people who swore that it was real before it right. came out. And I'm just like, come on, people. Like, yeah, come on. Like, just set your expectations back a little bit. And um, I mean, I think so, you know, we did get, you know, the things people were looking for, like hardcore sex in the parks right. on video. Like, and it's like, who wants you know, to see that? It's, Philip, it's yeah, I think Philip quickly realized like no i who wants to see that apparently some people did i think if the movie had not been called the dark side of disney and didn't have ties to the book it would have been much better received yeah um, i can see that yeah because it didn't deliver on more some of the more salacious parts of the book and that's exactly. of course what some people are going to want to like that's exactly yeah, right the most yep. interesting in it so yep. um so to that point is there I guess I was going to ask if there's anything in the book you could still do, but I feel like that's really a dumb question to ask because I don't want to, if there is, I'm not really going to out it. But I mean, I'm assuming that in general, you know, a lot of the, the holes have been plugged that you probably talk about in this book. Are there new holes that you're aware of that people are exploiting or is it now just like so yeah. much harder to do any of this stuff? No, I mean, one of my favorite new things is, uh, is they built this thing called the Skyliner. Uh, at Walt Disney World, and it's uh, it's essentially like a, a a lift, like a ski lift kind of thing. You know, the enclosed ones, a yeah. gondola, and gondola, uh, yeah. and it's it's shaded uh to keep the sunlight out, so you can't see in or out of most of them. Some aren't, um, 
And there's already been, you know, multiple people posting pictures of them naked in there, pictures of them, you know, obviously having sex in there. Um, and, you know, this is something that goes back to the early 80s when uh, the monorail line from Magic Kingdom to Epcot opened. It's a 15 minute long ride. Mm-hmm. Very often, not a lot of people doing that trip. So very often you get the whole cab to yourself. And there was this thing called Monorail Girl, this video that came out that I have on, I got on VHS. And it's this woman doing all sorts of things, totally naked in her own cab in the monorail. So this is like a long tradition of of this sort of thing happening on Disney property. And it, it kind of warms my cold little heart to see it continuing on on this new form of transportation. So, yeah, I mean, they had to have known when they built that, that that was going to happen. It's just, it's a no brainer. Right, so. right. Especially and, too, where you're 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 taking a place where they squeeze the sexuality out of everything there, and it's like as we've learned at many points in in humanity, you can only repress people so much, whether it be over you know a year or over an afternoon. So it's yeah. like, you know, some people are you know that I'm justifying the you know turning the monorail into, you know, an orgy, but right. you know. But it always astounded me. And, you know, a lot of the negative feedback I got about the book was just people who were just horrified at the fact that there was sex, drugs and rock and roll going on in Walt Disney World. And they legitimately think like, like this, it's going on at church. So sure. it's like it's, so it's going on at Disney. Too. They think there's something about humanity where the right. second they walk through those gates, all that gets shut off. Like you hit a button and none of that's happening anymore. It's like part of the book was just exposed that of course that's you know that's not true it's it we're still real life here people are still people um so that i always thought that was hilarious so but yeah that as far as new things go that's that's one of my favorites i really like that yeah um so uh what so you have also worked on other things that are not related to um to disney uh you're a musician and you've written a few other books though um so what are are you working on anything now yeah. So, uh, yeah. So kind of back to what we were talking before, you know, the, the YouTube channel that I have was originally a promotional tool for the book and it has videos of me going down the utilidors, a lot of stuff that people I thought wouldn't believe it unless wouldn't believe that I did it unless they actually saw it. Okay. As I started getting burned out on Disney and started going elsewhere for vacations, it gradually morphed into a like a travel and events channel. So, but still with like an edge, like PG 13 R rated edge. So it's, I always describe it as like a PG 13 Rick Steves, mm-hmm. um, still well-researched, still well shot, well edited, color corrected, everything, but it's edgier. Um, Rick's still that, in the whole time anyway. So, and he's awesome. I yeah, love, I love Rick Steves. Uh, you know, and he, he's, he's a lot, I think he's a lot cooler than people. Allegedly, allegedly. I don't want to just start making. Oh no, allegedly. you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, he's been very vocal proponent of legalization of marijuana and, and I respect the hell out of him for that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so that's a thing that I, that I do, uh, you know, traveling, doing YouTube videos in my travels. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a musician, uh, play guitar, play drums, um, actually mix, few bands produce a few bands um the books i did write two more books they were they were disney related uh but they were fiction they were novels and then through that when i started writing and releasing books they were self-published uh no one wanted to take on disney legal or potentially take on disney legal so the offers i was getting for dark side of disney were terrible or i just wasn't getting people wouldn't give me an offer so i self-published it became a big hit, 
wrote the second one. That was very well received critically, Our Kingdom of Dust. And I'd made up a fake publishing company, fake, Bamboo Forest Publishing. Um, and when those two books did as well as they did, and uh, people started sending submissions to Bamboo Forest Publishing um, to get published. And at that point, I had a really good team. I had a good graphic artist, a good layout designer, great editor. Um, I had all my production paths uh, lined up, printer, distributor. So I was like, why not? Like, why not publish these people's books? So I got into the publishing business. And to this day, uh, I'm still publishing books. So I just released one by this artist or this author, um, Nick Paberski, who kind of writes these um I describe them as like Die Hard in Disney World. Uh, it's kind of like action uh, thriller type stuff with this uh, main character Charlie Walker, who's just a total badass detective, and um, and they're they're riveting. I absolutely love them. I wish some I wish someone would make a movie out of those. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, Nick Paberski's stuff is great. He keeps putting them out, and I keep publishing them, and I, I'm his number one fan. So, uh, but uh, check that out. Yeah, yeah. His first one is called Hollow World. Um, and uh it's it's great. It's it's incredible. And so yeah, so I've I've been putting out um other people's books. Uh, a guy um Jeff Blythe, who was the guy who directed the um 360 degree circle vision film in the China Pavilion in Epcot. Mm -hmm. Um, he wrote a book that I published and it's just fascinating. Um stuff you never think of, like where the hell like you can't have lighting rigs or anything when you're filming 360 because yeah. every and just the technical stuff they had to go through this was back in the early 80s they couldn't like color it out and you know after effects or, or whatever they actually had to practically shoot this stuff fascinating story also back then the cultural differences the political issues of even filming something like that in china right. um just really so it, it's been great because i'm a fan of these books and there's there's stuff that I would want to read. There's stuff that I would buy, and um, so to be able to like put them out has been really like one of the better things that's come out of this whole dark side of Disney thing. Meeting these really impress impressive um, people who are writing about really cool stuff, I love it. I love it. So I mean, to, to go back to what you kind of said at the beginning there, you released the book independently, and it became a big success. That happens mm -hmm. what one in a hundred thousand times. I mean, I know a lot of people who release a lot of independent books. They usually don't go anywhere. No. Were you prepared for the success that came with it, and how quickly did it did it come, no. and where did it um how did it kind of jump into the mainstream? Yeah, it was pure chaos. Um, it um care for what you wish for. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think I've managed it relatively well. Um, so, you know, for perspective, I've been in a band that was fairly, fairly popular, um, but we never hit it big. I made a feature film that played festivals everywhere, got distribution at Blockbuster, but it wasn't like huge. So I had no expectations for The Dark Side of Disney and it comes out and it's selling 600 copies a day. And it was just like within the first three weeks. Um, yeah. So it was, it was crazy. It was absolutely batshit crazy. And um, like how and many so, did you originally press up? Well, it was, it was all um, print on demand. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't even realize that how that they were at that point then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say 75% of the sales were also digital were were Kindle. Mm -hmm. um or nook um 
And of course those just, you know, go out yeah. of the ether. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was wild. I mean, thank God, you know, I, I did write under a pseudonym, uh, which I still use because I got a lot of threats from, I call them pixie dusters. People think Disney can do no wrong and it's this magical place where nothing bad happens. Uh, they were very upset and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a wild ride. And the cover model of the book, um, Draven star, she started, um, like joining me in the videos because I blurred my face and I wore a mask. So she was kind of the face of the book for a while. Oh, Such a great easy. host. And, um, actually it was, it, cause I'm kind of an introvert. So I, you know, it was, it was nice to have her kind of run interference for me. Um, but people loved seeing her on the videos. So then the YouTube channel blew up and, uh, yeah, it was just all this. So it was wild. It was, it was a wild ride. And, you know, of course, Disney legal got involved. Thankfully, you know, I'm really grateful that they didn't end up suing me, but, um, they sure were thinking about it. So, um, did that become so how worried about that were you prior to the release when you might have had lower expectations just based on the reality of releasing a book? How worried were you prior versus how you worried were you like after you saw the numbers come in? That's a good question. I was worried enough to do the best that I could to make sure that I wasn't doing anything illegal that I could get sued for. So there's no pictures of Mickey Mouse in the book. There's no, um, you know, so I wasn't, I wasn't taking their intellectual property and, and reproducing it in, in any way. Um, and I knew that people had written travel guides about Disney that were not released by Disney. So they really didn't have a lot to stand by on in that respect. Um, so I, I thought I'd pretty much covered all of my bases, but you know what? It doesn't matter because even if you have done everything right, if they decide they want to sue you, they'll just bleed you dry um even if they don't have a case you're still well, going even, to court. even look at the back and forth now between disney and the government of florida it's like sure. they are looking for what both sides are just looking for whatever little comma is not yeah. in the right place and trying to find yep. a way to exploit it because once yeah. you start deciding you want to go after something you know you got the money i mean you don't want to yeah exactly that's the you got to have the money yeah and i do. sure as hell didn't um so when there were when there were rumblings that they were literally actually starting stuff up to to start a case, um, I definitely freaked freaked out. Yeah, I I was I was very worried about losing my house, you know, my livelihood. It was a it was scary. It was a scary time. Yeah, which for them, I mean, to some degree, that's a PR nightmare for them too, because it's not yeah. like you know what's what's going to stop you of not telling that story. And that's, that's going to be short money for them. Cause I think that was sort of the approach they took with escape from tomorrow, which is mm -hmm. one of the reasons why a lot of people don't know about it, is Disney just decided to kind of just pretend it wasn't there for the most yeah. part. And which then a smart move. Yeah. yeah, it really was. And it's a good example of how, um, and because so few people know about that film. And if the film was a little more narratively satisfying, there might've been more word of mouth to it, yeah. but um, it does when you're, it it, it, it it nobody was talked into the door on that movie to the degree that they probably could have you yeah know? yeah and you know that that is what i heard back was exactly that they didn't want to give my book any more any free publicity because they knew that would be a national story that would you know go viral essentially um and uh and again i think that was a smart move on their part i'm uh, yeah
but to some degree, I mean, couldn't they? I know this is kind of a tough way to kind of argue it, but it's like, didn't you help them out a little bit where, cause now they could tighten up some of this stuff. And I don't know how much of the stuff they were aware of and maybe just hope people didn't know about. I mean, cause you maybe made more work for them. Cause maybe they figured that if only a few people know about this stuff, it wasn't a problem. But like, did you get the impression that they appreciated knowing this information or was it like, yeah, hey, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it got back to me that some managers uh, were buying the book for, uh, their cast members to be like, look out for this stuff. Like this is a, this is our guide to like, look out for people scamming us essentially. So they were using it. Yeah. As an employee guide. Um, a lot of that stuff absolutely need to be locked down. It was kind of crazy from a security perspective, especially right. post post nine 11, that some of this stuff was, was available for people to exploit. It shouldn't um, be that easy to be able to find Snow White, which it sound, kind of sounds jokingly as I'm saying that, but it it shouldn't be. You know, I I actually I forgot about this story before I started. I dated somebody who used to be a Snow White years before I had met her, mm. and it's just like the the thought that like all, all these people that she meets every day is it's it's frightening. It, it yeah. you, you'd have reason to be nervous, you know. Sure, that's a not just Snow White. You're Peter Pan's. You know, you're everybody. You're Baloo's. Yeah perfect example and you know then the other big thing is and it seems weird to to say this but again phillips movie um explored this is that at the time for people of a certain age and a certain inclination towards i don't know if i want to say that maybe being more alternative you know tattooed people people who didn't have kids people who were drinking if they liked going disney that was a hush hush quiet thing like you you weren't proud of that you were not telling everyone about it wasn't okay to be nerds yet yeah and one of the things the book did was make it kind of cool to be a disney adult because it was a little edgy and 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 now like oh we can we can express our love for disney by talking about this book um and uh so it kind of because there wasn't anything like that out there there was no there was disney for adults um put up by like burn bomb which was sanitized whitewash completely and I think Disney for lovers, which was just so cringy. Um, it was obviously written by like some 65 year old retiree. Um, so this was like the first thing that kind of like opened the floodgates. And, and, and originally Disney was, Disney would not market to those people when that book came out. So I was essentially marketing to an audience that they didn't feel it was appropriate to market to. Now these days they're totally fine with it. You know, they'll right. put people with uh, alternative clothes, hair, whatever tattoos, they'll put them in their commercials and be like, totally. Yeah, this is great. But at the time that wasn't a thing. So yeah, I, I think I did do a lot of, I, I brought them some customers, I think. Um, and, uh, and I think that's cool. Like that's no, that's, that's, nice. it's an excellent point. I definitely agree. Um, I, I, it, it makes perfect sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about when we talk about the adult side of Disney, and I never got a chance to go to Pleasure Island. Um, mm. It's the timing of when I happened to visit Disney. I went as a kid, and then I went a little bit in like the around 2010, 2014. Like that's sort of when I spent most of my time mm. there. Um, it's it's an interesting thought that one that it doesn't seem to really jive with my perception of Disney based on when I was there. Did you ever get the chance to go to Pleasure Island when it was in its you know heyday? Yeah, yeah it was cool. It was really cool. What was it? So how, I mean, how fun was it? <laughs> like, I, cause I just, I couldn't help but wonder, I'm like, how fun did they let this get? I mean, they had something for everyone. You know, they had a, they had a, a club that uh, had live country music. Neon Armadillo that, or Neon. Yeah. 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 They yeah. had a club that um had a rotating um dance floor and uh, played dance music. 
I mean, for me, the big one was the Adventurers Club, which was a very highly themed uh, multi-level bar uh, where they had to put on kind of shows and there were props that would talk to you. And um, it was yeah, Can so you walk through a little cool. bit how that, because that's what I'm, I'm kind of most interested in, the Adventurers Club, because I've seen so many documentaries that kind of talk about it, but I feel like I've never really understood what the real experience of going in there was like. Yeah. So the vibe is like, there's this kind of... Uh, explorer traveler rich guy who's gone to all corners of the world and kind of bought uh these oddities uh pieces of weird pieces of art weird objects and um he's decorated this place with them and so like kind of everywhere you looked there was something unique to look at and um and and then they had this cast of characters who would who's like interactive theater essentially they would walk around and talk to people um, make conversation point out something uh you know there were even silly things like at the bar one of the chairs if you ordered a certain drink like the chair would start slowly going down 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 um and then every i don't know half hour 45 minutes all these characters you've been interacting with this whole time get up on stage and kind of do a, a little performance a little theater piece and um, I was so immersive. It was just really like stepping into a, another world. And the drinks were really good too. And uh, yeah, it's I, you know, I th I think the closest thing that I would say there is there is to it was the new Star Wars Galactic Cruiser. I was gonna uh, bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. And, See it now. Um, right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's going away. Um, I I felt like it was really revolutionary. It was really well done. And uh, you know, they tore it down. That's that's the one too that it's you know I can understand why if you're gonna walk away from the adult dollar to that degree which you know Disney I think in many ways has um, you know there was there I saw something else about how you know they tried to kind of make it a little more of a party area they had some mm -hmm. violence and some drugs and I think even some prostitution down there which I'm sure that's Disney doesn't want even a whiff of that so I understand yep. you know if the climate is what the climate is but yeah. um the adventurers yeah. club seems like something that is a really special um experience that i hope they bring back at some point yeah yeah oh that would be amazing absolutely um you know they've got their trader sam's uh bars which are uh, a little bit have a little bit of that vibe going on um so yeah i mean yeah really cool cool place yeah um i mean epcot too that's something that gets talked about a lot in the documentary about how epcot's not what it used to be and i got to i got the the got, the, got to go to epcot when i was a kid oh, cool. um maybe around i guess third grade so maybe around like 1988 89 great time to go great time yep. to go captain eo figments you know all yep. that stuff horizons was still there yep. I, yeah definitely got to go there. on horizons on that trip i got stuck on this is the magic kingdom but the the carousel of tomorrow we got okay, stuck so, on yeah. it and it kept replaying the same one over and over again it was like it's autumn again and it did that yeah. like 10 times in a row we had oh my the god same thing. but yep um you ever had any of those experiences where you're on disney disney ride and something went wrong because you know and they had to sort of go all right hold on everybody while we pause the magic and get this back on track oh yeah in fact that's happened on carousel progress same same thing not 10 times thankfully um but uh yeah i mean those are kind of i like that I like that because yeah, especially the matrix. <laughs> yeah. And, and as someone, you know, who's born and raised there, been there hundreds of times, it's kind of neat to see something different for, for once, uh, you know, you get a little rush out of it. So yeah, those kind of things are really cool. 
to me, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, which I sometimes have a hard time okay. admitting. But like, it's like at a certain point, once you, you realize the backstage stuff is more interesting than what you see on stage, you kind of become a different sort of fan. Okay. And so if I was in the crowd at Disney and something went wrong, I'd definitely be like, I want to see how these dudes handle this. Like, I, I'd yeah. be super like into that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's so it's so interesting. That's another thing that's changed now versus when I wrote the book everyone's got a, a, a video camera in their pocket now. Right. And so a lot of things that used to happen in the parks, fights, um, especially, you know, people, uh, you know, on drugs, behaving badly, peeing in bushes, puking in bushes. Like you heard about these things, but you never really quite believed them. Now they're all caught on video and posted to YouTube immediately or TikTok or wherever. And, um, and, and it really... It, it definitely makes you think like wow this place is kind of trashy but i mean it was that was always happening we right. just didn't see it it's um, not hard to catch a solid buzz at the uh, the beer house in the journey ah, that's the, that's the whole point yeah you're drinking liter beers yeah, yeah absolutely it's, it's harder uh, not to <laughs> yeah so um i just think it's and people are so shocked and horrified you know and i'm just like yeah this has been happening since the early 80s you know when epcot right. opened people were drinking around the world from day one it well, it's sick. also too. It's like you've flown into Disney. You you've spent some time in Orlando Airport. Look around. What everybody's doing in Orlando Airport? They're being obnoxious to some degree. They're drinking at the bar. These are all the same people you're going to be waiting in line with in Space Mountain, you know, Absolutely. tomorrow. So like, get used to them. You know. Absolutely. Yep. I 100 agree. There is that thing too where I think all of us. You know, I've lived in Massachusetts um all my life. I've I've had to travel along the world, but I've lived here my entire life. Like there are those few, and so I'm used to basically people are like around here for the most part. There's those few places you go where you're like, oh, this is a pure segment of America. It's like we are mm -hmm. every, and even the world, everybody is represented. It is, you do see a different crowd there. You see people that you never would have seen. And it's one of the beautiful things about it, you know? Yeah, you're right. Literally people from all over the world. I mean, that's, it's, they get, it, yeah. I, I always think about the, um, the Brazilian tour groups is like, uh, like a big thing and and uh you know there that's such a cultural like uh difference they, they and people get pissed off about them all the time um so uh but they're just being how they are and they're and they're and that's the culture so yeah yeah so it's, it's interesting to, to see that disney is for all of us you know it's yeah yeah worldwide absolutely yeah um so what so you have you been to um to uh, disney in japan I haven't. It's bucket list because it's supposed to be amazing. So yeah, I, uh, I had a, I had somebody I work with who just came back from there pretty soon. Yeah, pretty recently. What they think? Oh, amazing. Yes, yeah. it's. No. I can't even. You know. Do you think Disney? Um, you know, obviously we both went when we were younger. We've been when we were older. Do you think Disney has kept up with the technology, especially now considering how much that they're able to do? I had watched this uh, video, another like the Funkland video on the Lilo and Stitch ride, and it, mm. it's sort of like, oh, they still kind of to some degree nickel and dime everything, where they're just like, oh, we're just gonna replace it with this alien, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to ask you about was, um. You know, over the past, I think even probably especially more since, you know, this book has come out, Disney has really gone out and paid for a lot of big IPs. I mean, I forget when the Star Wars and the the Marvel deals went through, but it was probably mm -hmm. sometime around those areas. How do you feel? For me, I've always seen that as sort of a double-edged sword. Like, you know, I guess if someone's going to own Marvel, it might as well be them. I'm not pumped what Warner Brothers has done with DC. So I think they seem to be doing an okay job. But how do you feel about that? What do you think that does to really the core business of Disney? Do you think it takes anything away or if it's more good than bad? So 
for the most part, I think it's good. Uh, what I, I mean, this is just personally, uh, I really hate that they jammed a lot of that crap into Epcot. Um, Epcot was originally didn't have any Disney characters in it. It had Figment. They made right. their own character for the park, but that was it. Um, eventually, they did bring Mickey Mouse in uh, to do meet and greet stuff, but he still didn't end up on any of the rides. Um, there wasn't like um, uh, Donald Duck in the full like sombrero. Right. That that's now almost what I think of first. I think would have caught. Yeah, it, 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 there was no intellectual intellectual property in there because they had a whole for all the Disney princesses and you know uh, Mr. Toad, Snow White. Cinderella Castle. That's where all that stuff went. They had a park for that. Um, there was no reason to put it in Epcot. And now, you know, what I think it's done, and same thing with Hollywood Studios, it's really homogenized the parks to the point where they don't have their own distinct identities like they used to. And and that's that's disappointing because they are theme parks. They're themed to right. specific things. Um, so that I don't necessarily have an issue with marvel or star wars or whatever being in disney parks i just i when they shoehorn them in there i think that's the disappointing part yeah we don't want to see captain america in front of cinderella's castle which yeah you know, exactly it does, doesn't at work. some point will probably be in like a major motion picture like if, if we wait long enough and yeah they run out they you know grind through enough ideas we're eventually <laughs> gonna gonna get something like get that. marvel in disney world yeah that'd be fun <laughs> I, it's, I, yeah, no, it's well, even like Toy Story. I mean, that's something that they 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 cram into Tomorrowland. They also put it into um, you know, whatever the what is it called now? This the it's not MGM. Uh, Disney, Disney Hollywood Studios. Studios. Yeah. yeah, yep, yeah. yep. It's in there. Yeah, that's 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 what I mean. You know, you've got you've home got of the, the ugly stuff. Betty Burger, the worst hamburger I've ever seen in my life. Oh <laughs> that yeah, was, that was a while ago. That was I think there was something where I was with um somebody years ago and. They she had to have medication right away and had to eat something. And so she got something quick and got this the ugly yeah. Betty burger from the place there. And it was like it was not good. <laughs> nice. I yeah. love stuff like so, that. I love the, the perfect name for it too. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. they warned us, but <laughs> yeah. No, I I uh you know that that's the other thing that's definitely declined is uh is Disney food offerings. Uh, you know, they used to be so great at all that stuff and now it you know it seems like the quality's gone down in a lot of places which is unfortunate yeah. do you remember as a child anything about disney particularly scaring you i remember being a little mm. um freaked out by mr toad's wild ride i remember that messing me up um and uh and it wasn't i guess it's disney now but return to oz definitely oh. um twisted a few cranks in my head that took a, a long time to reverse um yeah yeah. Oh man, Return to Oz is such a weird movie. Uh, I saw that in the theater when I was a kid. It I was... think I did too. Yeah. I don't uh, know in fact, I'm sure I did. Grade. Yeah. I'm sure I did. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I just like it was, a, it was a weird little kid because I always kind of really liked that sort of stuff when I was a kid. You know, when and Mr. Toad, you actually you literally go to hell at the end. Yeah. Um, which is such a weird thing for uh, you know, an, a a kid's ride. Um, but uh, no, I think I always got a kick out of that sort of stuff. To be honest. Um, but I was super weird, but I was like really into horror movies as a kid and stuff like that. So maybe that appealed to me, that sort yeah. of thing. I was kind of a giant wuss. I remember there was a time where we <laughs> went to a, um, a haunted house when I was a kid. My parents had to almost carry me out because my oh, legs wow. like, just wouldn't work. I was so, I'd never been in a haunted house where there's actually people in there doing things. I think, oh, like jumping I think out I, at you and stuff. Yeah. I think I just expected there to be like a clown with like a big, like spinning wheel that you walk through. Mm -hmm. or it's like a fun house or something, but yeah, you know, yeah. 
No, I, I, uh, I mean, that's, but that's a big thing now at Universal. They have those haunted horror nights where uh, yeah. people love that stuff. Absolutely love that stuff and get obsessed with it every year. Um, there's a big buildup and um, that's cool. And, you know, that's one of those things that it's seems like Universal can do that stuff and can market that stuff. That's kind of violent and edgy and Disney still doesn't feel like they're able to, to make similar events because they're more family friendly. Um are they right? Probably not. I'm sure they could they get away with stuff like that, but um, but they do still have an image to maintain. So, right, uh, right. I remember there were even rumors that Disney might be the company to buy WWE, and I'm like, I don't hmm. really see them fitting it in there. Yeah, and because like Universal has had partnerships with um WCW over the years and TNT and these and TNA other wrestling companies. Like, so, yeah, it kind of belongs a little over right next to Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Buffett's Margarita Land, <laughs> like you know. Yep, because there's yep. definitely a different vibe over there, um, mm-hmm. you know, which I'm sure is what Disney found out when they tried to get more of a nightlife down there and ended up with more, you know, violence and whatever. Yep. I've yep. never spent much time in Orlando proper besides Disney. Is there? It just to me seems like a whole lot of like chains and in places. Like I, I did, I I was down there for business a lot, um, like doing conferences, like the Ritz at the Ritz down there, like the mm-hmm. three day tech events where like it sounds a lot more fun than it is. But yeah, yeah. Um... No, your your impression is pretty spot on. I mean, there's a lot of like tourist trap type stuff that um can be interesting. Um, some of those bigger uh mini golf courses are kind of fun. But yeah, it's a lot of chains, a lot of chain restaurants, a lot of um souvenir shopping. Um, I mean, there's some cool things like in downtown Orlando, there's a really neat tiki bar and um but uh you know, in general, that town is kind of built off the backs of, of uh, tourism. So, right. and you made a good something I definitely would echo that I'm sure is even probably even more true to this to this day in your book about if you are going to Disney, just stay on the properties. Yeah, like it's it's not worth trying to deal with you know with it's they they make it easy enough. You're not going to save any money. You're likely going to end up costing you more money and. You know. Yeah. Uh, and the resorts are really well themed. I mean, you're still immersed in kind of this. Uh, this environment that you know is not like the outside world you you still feel like you're part of that magic um and uh especially when you're on like a monorail resort or now the um skyliner resort you don't even have to get in a bus or get in a car um you know they they kind of put you around everywhere uh yeah i i I still agree with that the other message too that i think is worth reiterating that you mentioned in your book is that you know we may be adults going there for adult fun but this is somebody's really special there's somebody in the park that day is having is, is a really special trip they saved up for and mm-hmm. we shouldn't be putting our adult needs ahead of you know these people's uh you know yeah it's it's it's, it's there for them you know yeah especially now with how expensive it's become oh you know they they really are kind of pricing out the middle class but so it's, it's it's not a lie that a lot of people you know save for years to be able to bring their their family of four or five to um to their big Disney world trip. That's probably the only one they're going to take. And, um, you know, it really pisses me off to see some of these bloggers and stuff, you know, making it all about them in the parks and getting people's ways and talking really loud during a ride. Cause they're just trying to get content right. and, um, shoving a phone, you know, in front of someone's face and blocking a view for them. Um, you know, some of these people, this is the only time in their lives they're going to see this stuff. It's, and they're, only time certainly they're going to experience it for the first time uh and someone like ruins that for them uh that sucks that's really shitty uh so yeah i've always been a big proponent of like 
have your fun, but be respectful of other people having their fun too. I will say too that in my, I've probably been to Disney parks maybe five, six, seven, eight times in my life. I've been to Anna. I flew out to Anaheim to go to the um when when the Tron Legacy movie came out. You're probably seeing a theme oh, cool. here with Tron. And probably the lights. Probably I love Tron. So yeah, yeah, I love it. So I went out there when they did the the Big Bang California Adventure and stuff. Cool. I've never really seen a lot of bad behavior out of other. I mean, I've seen people kind of like you know maybe talk you know deal with their kids in ways that as a single person in their 40s i might disagree with but what do i mm-hmm. know but i've never seen a lot of terrible behavior though have you have you witnessed um like behavior that i think you think really disrupted people or violence or yeah uh yeah i mean yeah again but you know i grew up there we were literally we would go every weekend so um oh, yeah numbers you know, game yeah exactly a numbers game you know what was interesting to me was going to Disneyland Paris and a lot of the stuff that we would consider um, totally unacceptable here. They just don't care out there. The cultural difference, you know, people smoking in lines, like blowing smoke on people in back of them, um, skipping lines, uh, just, you know, running around yelling. Um, and I'm sure at the Japan parks, it's like the complete opposite. Right. Of that. Yeah. It's I'm um, sure tremendously efficient in, in many ways. Yeah. And, and very respectful and I'm sure, yeah. you know, quiet and, and, uh, but um, yeah, so you're right. Yeah. I think it's just a numbers game. You know, you go there enough and, uh, and you're going to see certainly, certainly at Epcot, I, I've multiple times seen people way too inebriated and puking in bushes. Uh, that's, that's a yeah. common thing, especially in the summer at food and when food and wine festival is going on. Oh yeah. That's, a, that's a definitely a thing. Yeah. The challenge of having a drink at every one of the country's pavilions, which I think is around a dozen yep. is um, I'm not a drinker anymore, but it, to me, it's like, that's that's going to take a lot of people down it's... especially with with that heat the florida yeah. heat uh you're just asking for trouble getting getting uh you know uh, dehydrated and and drinking that much and a lot of the drinks are like sickeningly sweet um and you're just asking for trouble yeah yep <laughs> yep yep but you know you can do all right anything else you want to touch on while, while we're here or uh anything else you want to promote that you're working on or no just uh people check out the youtube channel i think if you just search for leonard kinsey it'll come up but it's a uh, youtube.com slash dark side of disney and um check out anything by my publishing company bamboo forest publishing if you liked dark side of disney any of the books i've written our kingdom of dust hapsed then you'll like anything that we release because i curate it all so it's all filtered through my you know i'm the tastemaker in this respect so uh yeah give some of those a shot um, awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about that Die Hard and Disney World thing. I yeah, think, Hollow um, World by Nick Kubrick. Yep, I wrote that down. And that I'm gonna write a, it now in a handwriting I can actually read. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm it's, very it's interested in that. One of those ones where you know you see it in your mind. It's like you're watching a movie. He's so, he's so good at writing like that. I just love That's it. Awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. All right, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. All right, you too. Thank you very much. All right. You're-